Welcome to Muffly Auto, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today we hit a brick wall. Or do we? We continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and come now to the sixth chapter, the journey from platform nine and three quarters. Yeah, do you get it, Josh? Do you see what I what did what I did there? The, the brick wall. See, I did see what you did there. <laughs> that, that is an interesting philosophical question. Is you know, do they actually hit the brick wall, or that's a good point. There you go. To, to hit a brick wall or not to hit a brick wall. That is the that is the question. No, uh, well, and and, well, and this year they certainly do not hit it in the same way they well, do next year. But that is a good point. I think uh, I think uh, yeah. when we come to that chapter, uh, I'll probably say, and I'm Blake, and and today we definitely hit a brick wall uh and we'll leave it and we'll leave it at that and uh uh yeah that's uh, that's not fun hitting a brick wall no i mean we'll no. get there but driving it the goal like, is definitely to go through it exactly and ramming a trolley into that <laughs> yeah that would uh, not be the best but i don't know if, you know who came up with this idea uh of uh shoving a platform into uh, in between you know two other platforms uh but it's quite smart i quite like it yeah, well, and, and we'll definitely talk more later about uh, the magic behind the Hogwarts Express and mm. something about its history. Um, but yeah, this is all this is all very odd for for our friends Harry um, and uh, and maybe our less than friends the Dursleys as they come to King's Cross <laughs> Station. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and the the cool thing about this chapter is that by the end of it, we will be at Hogwarts. We'll be yes, we're uh, here. You know, the, the students, they're there and Hagrid's knocking at uh, Hogwarts door. And so that's really sweet, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, Harry still needs to kind of board a very special train. Yeah, just, just on that, Blake, one thing I found interesting going through this book again is um, realizing that this book, unlike any other book, uh, spends about one third of the time outside of Hogwarts. Um, yeah, that's you, you like know, a, more time outside. Like, like I mean, not not a lot, but more more time than the other books do. Uh, well, they don't more, have more as time, much. Yeah, relative to the story. Um, yeah, I mean, most books spend roughly the same amount of chapters, but um, obviously they're much longer. Um, you know, mm. with the exception of the, De- the Deathly Hallows, um, not taking place really True. Yeah. at all. But yeah, I guess more so what I'm meeting is it takes six chapters for the um, the main ideas of the story to start, um, whereas there's only you know there's only what thirteen chapters left. It kind of snowballs like it just once you get to the yeah. point, it just kind of keeps going. Well, anyway. it speed it speeds up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now we're at chapter seven and, and he hasn't even gotten there yet. Like he's like just starting at the sorting hat, you know? Yeah. We've like, kind of been, we've been recording the... classes until chapter eight. Yeah. Yeah. We've been recording the, the, this podcast for, you know, a, a, quite a, quite a few episodes so far, or, you know, if you can count yeah. uh, a six being quite a few or whatever, <laughs> but um, just the fact that we're already like, you know, Harry hasn't even learned uh, much yet. You know, he still doesn't know oh, yeah. much about his past or about the wizarding mm. world. He's still learning. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it snowballs and uh, it really just uh, comes comes up quickly all the you know those final chapters when it's like the climax to the story and he's you know versing uh versing quirrell spoilers alert <laughs> people should just assume that throughout the- people should assume that yeah they they shouldn't uh, come at me with pitchforks or anything like that all right blake should we do a summary yeah get into it i love it harry arrives at king's cross station and is puzzled with the information he has been given nowhere does he see platform nine and three quarters he is ultimately saved by the woman who would all but adopt him as a son, Molly Weasley. On the train, her son, Ron, introduces Harry to more of the wizarding world, and the two become fast friends. For Harry, Ron is something of an expert compared to his ignorance about all things magical. However, it becomes clear as they near the castle that Ron does not know as much as he might let on about how things work at Hogwarts. The pair's friendship takes off quickly as they continue to meet other students who will fill the book series for years to come. Now, Josh, I don't know about you, but uh, one of the things I do like to come back to, and it's it's a bit sad, is um, the the Dursleys and Harry and how they treat him. And I just find that when you read this portion and they kind of smugly take him to yes. platform yes. nine and three quarters, you know, here's nine, here's platform ten, and they just leave him there. Yes. 
it's yeah. almost like what if they made a mistake and you know platform nine and three quarters wasn't actually there or or whatever it wants but there's just so, know, much, just so much so much going on you the reason they're going to london is not ultimately to drop harry off but to take no. Dudley to get his pig's tail removed yeah you know and, it, and it's, it's just so funny oh it's out of like the the i guess like because he goes well you know platform nine and three quarters he goes that yeah sure i'll take you you know just yeah. to see yeah. you fail in a way and he yes. just they yeah. just ditch him and it just yeah it just amazes me uh that uh there's yeah there's very little uh effort to watch a uh you know a how old an 11 year old boy in uh you know one of the busiest train stations you know ever and they just leave him there um it's just how much dislike and, and disdain they have for him is incredible yeah, no, definitely, definitely, and and really, you know, we don't learn anything new about the Dursleys here. Just no, our, no, um, our, uh, our our instincts, our feelings are all confirmed all over again, um, and and they really do reveal themselves to be the people they have shown us so far, um. And and really speaking of that, um, we, we, combining what you've just said with um, my uh, summary about Harry and Ron, um, the the theme of this chapter really is relationships. Yeah, um, Harry is going to meet so many of his key friends um, during this chapter, and and he begins a, a fast friendship with Ron here yeah. um, that that takes off so so quickly. Yeah, there's a lot of nice moments uh, there on the train with Ron. Uh, I think there's a lot of bonding that gets done. You know, there's uh, their sheer kind of mutual things, uh, having no money, being poor. Uh, you know, Harry hasn't really had a cent in his, his life uh, or an extra dollar to spend just because he's with the Dursleys. But, uh, you know, Ron just comes from a family of so many that he just, uh, you know, they they can't afford a whole lot. Uh, and so they, they just have these wonderful moments of, bonding and then you know we get to see Hermione and we we get to see uh, kind of all these other people even on the the platform and it's all these people that just Harry's gonna interact with and be with for you know uh, seven plus years of his his life yeah yeah definitely and and chief among this this relationship building um is is the weasley family obviously ron as we've mentioned already <laughs> yep, we'll continue yep. to mention um but but in this in this chapter we meet um molly weasley the the matriarch of the family we meet uh Ginny, his future wife spoiler alert uh we meet uh percy <laughs> i love it Fred, i love that George. we said spoiler alert at the um, uh at, after, <laughs> you know, after the fact it's like by the way this is a spoiler and it's like oh okay all right yeah. Uh, but but you know like uh, I, I know you said seven plus years but that's almost an understatement you know these are the people so that that yeah. harry is going to spend the rest of his life with and yes um and, and really i think i think that this is as much as we might chuckle that oh it worked out perfectly for um the friend group and all these relationships <laughs> i i think this is what normally happens for students um at, at hogwarts is that they spend the rest of their lives with the people they went to school with because the magical community is relatively small in Britain. Yeah. Um, yeah. And chances are that by the time you are done Hogwarts, you've met the person you're going to marry unless you find someone from overseas. Yeah, that's a good point. There's there's usually, you know, no reason uh, to go abroad. Um you know, unless it pertains to kind of your studies, like, uh, you know, if you're, you're hunted down magical beasts uh, or you, uh, you know, end up uh, marrying some kind of exchange student and uh, end up living, you know, looking over at in you, America Bill. or Brazil, <laughs> looking at you, Bill. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, it's, they can just live in these small communities, but like with magic and the fact that travel is, is so, uh, you know, well, it's not even time consuming at all. It's, it's instant. It can be instant. You know, you can stay connected with, you know, other witches and wizards so easily, um, mm. that, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. That Harry is, is, you know, these are the people that he's going to kind of do life with, uh, till, mm. till all the way yeah. till the end, uh, especially, you know, the, the trio, the Ron and Ron and Hermione. And mm. by extension, Ginny, because he ends up uh, marrying Ginny. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> he, he marries Ginny. Ron becomes his brother-in-law. And yeah. by extension, Hermione is his uh, sister-in-law as well. That's just crazy. Yeah. It's kind of weird. You don't think of it like that at all because it's, no. it's never, you know, no. it's never mentioned. It's like the final, <laughs> final chapter at the end of the book. And you, but then you actually go, 17 oh, wow. years later, 19 yeah. years later, whatever it's called. Yeah. It's like brother-in-law yeah. and sister-in-law. That's just, it's like their family. I mean, they've gone through, yeah. 
you know, so much together. And uh, yeah, I mean, even even without all that, you'd you'd consider them family with how close they were. Mm, that's right. Um, the the first time we see Molly is is really the, the time where, for the first <laughs> time, uh, she she saves Harry. Um, yeah. yeah, she's the one who is you know muttering to herself, packed with muggles, of course, <laughs> as as they're going through King's Cross Station. You know, with uh, at this point five children in tow, her four sons and Ginny, yeah. and, um, and and this is this is where you know Harry starts to feel, oh, finally someone else who who looks like they're yeah. going to the same place, and yeah. feels such relief, right? Yeah, it must it must be nice not to be so lost um, and actually mm. kind of. Uh, I guess clasp onto uh, a magical word or hearing something or seeing, you know, oh, they're, they're part of the community and then being able to kind of have that little safety net of like, I'll oh, follow them and I'll see what they're doing. Um, it must be a, a strong relief. But Josh, I have a question for you. Um, yes. And this uh, this pertains to uh, Mrs. Weasley. Uh, and uh, it's it's when uh, she asks uh, the kids and, and mm. Ginny replies, now what's the platform number, said the boys mother uh nine and three quarters piped a small girl also red-headed who was holding her hand uh and i just when i read this and when i reread it i just wonder she has had so many children um mm. and also gone to hogwarts herself and this seems like you know the the king's cross seems like it's the main way to you know the only way to get to that platform. Um, and I just wondered now I, you know, I understand that mothers can be very busy and they're managing so much, uh, especially with uh, all, you know, how many children she has. Uh, do you think it's just like memory loss or something like that? Because shouldn't she know Josh that it's nine and three quarters? Definitely. I actually think this is um, not a uh, authoritative opinion, but my my interpretation of this is that uh, Molly is doing what so many great parents do: is that she is teaching her children through questions, um, uh, and that she is yeah. um, saying mostly to Ginny. I, I would say, mm, all right, yeah. now which platform number is it? And and Ginny knows, right? Ginny yeah. is able to answer instantly. Um, you know, yeah. I, I just can't. I just can't buy the fact that you know after seven years for herself and after you know, the past 19 years of yeah. from, from bill all the way down now oh, wow. she somehow forgot i think i think also platform nine and three quarters is so famous in wizarding culture in britain that yes. there's just no way like no and yeah. so it's a, it's a really that's a really good answer um and and one that i didn't really think about is that it's coming from being a parent being a mother and and you know helping your children learn through questions i i love that answer that i just i wrote that down being like i'd be curious to see what josh thinks of that yeah. and josh i've heard wonderful. some people say that um she says it for harry that she sees harry and um oh yeah asks the okay. question i'm not sure i think there's reason to think Think that she would say it, you know, just because that's what parents do. Is as you walk yeah. around, you ask them questions that you know the answer to. Um, well, yeah, that's that's yeah. so true. And you've also got to be. Um, you, uh, I'm just looking now at the text, and uh, Ginny r- replies nine and three quarters, and it's you know it's got an exclamation mark there yeah. at the end. She's very excited, and obviously you oh, can right. see that when she's mom, can't I go? You know, she wants Definitely. to go yeah. to Hogwarts. So I think she's almost just encouraging that excitement that it is. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, now what's the platform? number and, and the girls able to pipe up and answer something and be very excited so yeah yeah i think as as we go through this chapter um each each of the characters maybe with the exception of percy here hmm. i don't really see him too much but but Ginny, molly um, fred and george in these first few um, um occasions first few times we meet them are are really perfect examples of some of their best characters and some of their most um most important um, characteristics throughout the rest of the books you know we see fred and george the jokesters we see molly weasley um the the motherly figure we see Jin mm. who is at once um incredibly excited and, and passionate and also very, very um, intimidated and in awe of her yeah. daughter. Um, 
and we see Ron, who is who is known as the friend, right? Um, he'll mm. come to resent that fact at times, but um, how how better could it be if someone said, you know, that guy's best characteristic is that he's a great friend, um, and and that's really what we see in these first yeah. instances is that the Weasley family are what you get. You know, it's it's not like they're going to trick you sometime and um, and become something totally different. But but Fred and George are going to you know give their mother grief that they're actually the other twin. Um, Ginny's going to remain that awestruck feeling around Harry for at least a few more years. And Ron is going to stick with Harry through thick and thin um, throughout the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The Weasley family are just one of those families that you just love to meet. Uh, you know, especially old wizarding families, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they have lots of stories, lots of history, uh, but they're just lovely people. They're like this, you know, wonderful thing. I guess there's this wonderful example of how a family doesn't need to have a whole lot of money. You know, it's Draco uh, and uh, the Malfoy family where they have as much money as they could need. But, you know, it just it, comparing the childhood of these two kids, it I can definitely tell that there would have been a difference. And, uh, you know, just, I, I mean, if you ask what house would you want to grow up in the Weasley home, uh, obviously, because it's just, you know, there's probably so much love, so much support coming from the parents, coming from the older siblings. Um, and it probably would have been very loud, yes. Uh, but it's just a wonderful family. And, uh, I mean, yeah. with with the exception of Percy, um, kind of towards the end when Percy sort of uh, goes on his sort of side arc in the story where he sort of betrays the the family, he does he does come back, he is redeemed. But apart from that moment, you know, the Weasley family are just, they all, they're just so wonderful together. Um, and I think it's just the perfect family for Harry to almost be adopted into. And, and yeah. I feel like Mrs. Weasley really does uh, try to bring Harry into family um, and he's just welcomed so much yeah it's it's a place where um aside from hogwarts harry will feel the most at home yes um, yeah is, is at the borough and yeah. so with these people is where he feels the most at ease yeah They've, they just do a great job of welcoming him in um well blake we certainly meet more than just the weasleys yeah in this chapter um just uh, immediately after, we we see that there's a, a very forgetful boy um, who's once um, once uh, one too many times forgotten his toad, uh, <laughs> and, and his, uh, his grandmother, um, and then and then finally we we actually get on to uh, mm. the Hogwarts Express where we'll meet several other important figures. We get to see so many uh, great, great people. And when I say great people, I mean probably uh, more uh, well-known because we get to see sort of Draco and, uh, you know, his cronies, uh, the Mm. Crab and and Goyle. Uh, So whilst they're not great uh, in the sense that they are well-behaved boys who are, you know, great friends to Harry, uh, they're great in the sense of that they um, are our main characters, or at least uh, Draco Malfoy is, and uh, that interaction where we get a name to this boy who yeah. was, uh, you know, in the in the robe shop and uh, being kind of a sort of a uptight, snotty kid? We now get a name to him, and I think that's just a nice kind of connection, bringing uh, this uh, no-named boy uh, from a previous chapter and bringing him kind of back in and sort of introducing him early, so Harry already knows how he kind of has a sense of Draco's character before Draco kind of offers the handshake and being like, you know, be be my friend, kind of, you know, it's yes. about the people. Yeah you choose Harry and then Harry has this wonderful moment where he's like yeah I can pick you know my friends for myself I can I can see a person's character um, for myself and uh, you're not the kind of friend that I want yeah yeah no he makes a good good judgment there very clearly Um, in addition to uh, his his arch nemesis from a student perspective certainly oh yeah other nemeses um, but Draco takes the cake for a student perspective. We also see uh, Lee Jordan, a very good friend of Fred and George Weasley, an infamous Quidditch announcer. Um, And then, of course, (laughs) uh, the other really significant character we meet who we um, don't get to spend too much time with in this chapter. No. um, Is Hermione Granger, the third member of our trio for this book. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and let's let's talk about Hermione Granger. She, mm. uh, and we well, we've we've mentioned her before, and how she uh, is just a, a great way to drive the story, and how J.K. uses her character to easily give information to us. Um, and and we're going to see that in in action very soon in the following chapters, um, and especially as they're sort of looking into researching uh, who uh, the kind of this this elusive person Nicholas Flamel is and. And uh, we get to see that. But she's just a brainy kid. She's smart. And I think at first, at first, that just comes off a little kind of abrasive to to Ron and uh, Harry, who are just having a good time, you know. And then she kind of comes in. She's very maybe proud of how much she knows. And uh, she has some magic already. And she just probably makes you know, Ron and Harry feel inadequate because they're like, oh, man, we are we prepared for school if this is kind of what we're meant yeah. to be at and yeah yeah and i think already you see a uh, a bit of a juxtaposition of these two characters who um should share their expertise with harry um ron has grown up in this world it's his native language um, he mm. speaks it fluently and hermione has grown up in the muggle world with no idea that she was magical and has had to basically cram for an exam. She didn't know that she was behind. It. Um, and, and so the, these two very different approaches, you know, it's, it's almost as though Ron um, has a, has a, a great nose for, um, for all things magical. He, he can smell it coming from a mile away. Whereas Hermione has had to work and work and work to get to the place where she is. Um, and, yeah. and they, they play very different roles in explaining things mm. to Harry. Um, but they're both so key in his um, beginning journey here on the on the Hogwarts Express. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Ron knows how things work, and then Hermione actually uh, kind of knows all the history and and uh, the yeah. names and places yeah. and facts and everything. Yeah, and and I think too, you know, we've talked a lot about relationships connected to Harry, um, but but key here as well is the relationship that begins between Ron and Hermione. Also, very typical of yeah. the relationship to come. Uh, you know, Ron tries to do a, a spell, um, <laughs> with, <laughs> which uh, clearly isn't a spell. Uh, sunshine, daisies, butter, mellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow. I mean, uh, anytime when it's a sentence, right? I was, yeah, I think the, I was going to my wife. Anytime it's the sentence, that is not a spell. Sure. <laughs> you can you know it's it's got to be like a one word or a two word you know expecto patronum like he's grown up in a magical house maybe his parents are masters of silent spells but has he never heard a real spell before i know it just doesn't make sense yeah Yeah, they're just messing messing with them but i mean that's cool because uh we we know that you know ron and hermione they end up together uh by the end, end book and um and that's it's a really wonderful thing because uh you know we have this relationship in the trio um, itself, and and you never know. I mean, that's that's an interesting thing to talk about in itself. Is that where where J.K. was going to take relationships in this book? Um, and uh, you know, there was obviously Harry uh, and Hermione, and I think a lot of readers, as the books were coming out, were probably thinking that that J.K. was going to put uh, Hermione with Harry uh, by the end of it. Um, and it's just really interesting that she didn't. She didn't choose to to have that one. Girl, uh, you know, I should say the the kind of the one main girl out of you know the trio fall for for Harry and go for Harry, uh, and uh, I think that's really cool. Like that, she paired up Harry uh, with someone else, and she paired up Hermione uh, with Ron. Uh, so yeah, just interesting there because um, Hermione ends up with Ron, who is in a way uh, a very exact opposite of Hermione uh, in a lot of ways. And so that's just quite, uh, quite, quite interesting to think about. And I think relationships like, like we have is a key theme in this chapter. I mean, we could talk about that sort of dynamic as uh, all throughout the books as that kind of who Harry likes and Hermione's mm. just there and, <laughs> and Hermione's always been a friend to Harry. And I think in Harry's eyes has kind of been that friend role, but, but more yeah, of a sister. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we and we we see that and clearly they don't, you know, Ron and Harry don't really talk about that in a way because of the last book we see jealousy come out uh, between you know harry and hermione but like it's almost like they've never really addressed the elephant in the room being like hey yeah. bro just so you know i don't like hermione like that i think of her like a sister you know mm-hmm. 
it just it definitely would have changed things because uh, you know Ron would have come to really like Hermione, I guess, much earlier than kind of the end of the the last book or when things actually happen. And so I guess Hermione is just uh, an interesting character that we, we get to see so many different sides to um, her relationship with Ron, her relationship with Harry. And we just don't know where it's going to go by reading the first book um, that they're just, they're, they're just, are they even going to be friends in this chapter? Yeah. Yeah. They certainly um, don't show any, any sign of being close at this point. <laughs> And, and one thing, Blake, I just want to mention is, um, you know, I'll say it now and, and, and not later for um, literary devices. But one thing that, that J.K. Rowling does so well is the way that she writes her dialogue for individual characters. I'll just say a few things that, that Hermione says. Nobody in my family is magic at all. It was ever such a surprise when I got my letter, but I was ever so pleased, of course. I mean, <laughs> it's the very best rule of witchcraft that there is. Um, and, and then at the end, she says just so subtly she said all this very fast you know it's it's as if yes. if you're reading it for the first time you know that she's saying it fast just by the way that it's put together it's so different yeah. from ron so different from harry so different from hagrid who we've met yep. already yep. each character has a distinct voice already in the reader's head as they're going yeah. through this it's such a great tool that she uses throughout these books is is the dialogue and it's just so well done <sighs> yeah it is it's really well done and it's it's done in such a way that you you come away with such like very vivid pictures of what these characters would look like sound like speak like they're sort of you know how how literate they are uh, with like Hagrid we get a lot of the you know kind of the yeah. the weirdly spelt things in books but the way you say it you kind of go okay yeah yeah I can see that I can I can kind of hear Hagrid saying it like that um and now now Josh previously you you mentioned uh Trevor uh, and that's uh, Neville Longbottom's uh, uh pet <laughs> and obviously name, nobody wants to have uh, a toad Trevor Oh my goodness! Uh, all of a sudden, this complete Muggle name in the middle of the Muggle in the magical world—I just find it so <laughs> hilarious. You've got a Draco. rat named Scabbers, a, uh, a an an owl named Hedwig, and then yeah. you have Trevor. Um, <laughs> just is hilarious to me. So Trevor, good. like. <laughs> Oh, so we have the toad and that, and, and Trevor doesn't really come back. It's, it's more just a, a bit of a comic relief, really. Uh, but we do get another pet that does, uh, that does yeah. come back in, uh, in books to come. And that's Scabbers, uh, Ron's rat. Yeah, no, this is a very important rat. Um, and, and we'll touch on this a bit more during the foreshadowing element of the chapter uh, later. Um, mm. but, but one of the things that is so interesting here is that we already know that this is a bit of an odd rat. Um, it's odd mm. for a few reasons. It's odd, number one, because of how old it is. Now, we don't know how long rats live at this point, but we already know that this rat is a hand-me-down rat. Yes, yeah. and which, which you know just seems a little bit odd, um, and it's it's fat. It's it's perhaps you know overly fat, um, mm. but he also is is described by Ron as a useless rat. Um, and and again, we, we don't know exactly how magical rats are supposed to be at this point, but we'll come to know much later when Ron takes a unwell scabbers to the, yeah. like, the equivalent of a wizard vet. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and and it's and and the rat is diagnosed as very very old and lacking any magical abilities and, and we yeah. just think there's something up with this rat and we're not quite sure what it is at this point. No, we come to learn that it's just a, a creepy old man um, <laughs> who's been living with uh, with Ron as a, as a rat for all this time, uh, and so it's pretty yeah it's pretty crazy. And I wonder if there was a you know a suppressed state of uh, because he he was uh, and when we we mentioned he uh, we're talking about Peter Pettigrew, um, who uh, we we do learn later on uh, in, uh, in in alias Prisoner of Wormtail. alias Wormtail and, and Prisoner of Azkaban, um, but I wonder. I wonder if Josh, if, if Peter Pettigrew, if he almost because he was a rat for so long, just suppressed a bit of that sort of human side of him, um, and just because it's so long yeah. to be an animal, you know, it sounds like he just never changed back to a human because uh, he's a uh, an magi, so he can change at will to a, an animal, and we see that with a few other characters. Is, uh, like uh, in uh, the first chapter, how we how we mentioned uh, with Professor McGonagall. So it's that same magic, it's that mm. same thing, uh, but just here with Scabbers. And so I just, it, you know, I think I'm yeah. absolutely right. I think we see that. Um, with with Sirius Black as well, and and it's not as though he is a dog for anywhere near as long as mm. 
as as a wormtail is is a rat um, at least not consistently um but you know th- he's able to transform into a dog and and experience some level of relief in Azkaban. yeah from um, the Dementors, and, yeah. and then when he comes out he's certainly a dog fairly frequently but again not all the time but even that level of being a dog um you know, makes makes um, his his words sometimes appear barking. You know, is yes. how he's described, and he's described yeah. as like a dog like look in his face. And certainly, Pettigrew, um, I think, brilliantly portrayed in the movies, has oh, yeah. that kind of rat like appearance, and and never really yeah. leaves him. Oh yeah, that fat rat and it all his little kind of uh, little movements and twitches really well to just bring out the fact that he's been sort of this rat for so long. Who knows why he needs a, a bald mullet? But that's just bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, uh, all rats. Uh, that's that's their hairstyle. That's just oh, if they were humans. That's, that's what that's what they look like. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, I think with with that we we get we'll get back into um, a sketch gabbers uh kind of a little later on because it just it whilst it's a nice fun thing to talk about and, and a, a nod to to the books to come uh, and jk probably definitely knew what she was doing here this doesn't really affect this book we we see you know scabbers come out and uh, peter pettigrew come out much more uh, in uh, prisoner of azkaban and we'll talk about i think that then because uh, he's an interesting character um and it's one when you when you yeah. When you're talking about someone who betrays their friends, it's it's worth kind of talking about that, and uh, and we'll get there eventually. Uh, but, but, but I think you know one thing that we wanted to do in this podcast is um, we we love noticing when things are mentioned which J.K. just allows to kind of sit oh, yeah. and rest. Yeah and and doesn't take them back up for a long time. Um, yeah. So you know when we see scabbers, when you're reading it through for the however many times it is other than the first time you automatically have alarm bells going off in your head yeah. and you're thinking that's that old man who's with them you know <laughs> not actually that old but it's certainly older than them and it's just weird that he's there and um you know again those those alerts go off and you think oh man um you know obviously harry doesn't know what's going on ron doesn't know what's going on and uh, yeah but yeah that, that that foreshadowing element but also that ability to um to be subtle with the foreshadowing and to just give the reader details that they don't know when you're going to use again, you know? Yeah, definitely. Now, Josh, as we jump into world building, I think uh, first and foremost, uh, the most important thing that we get here is platform nine and three quarters. It's, you know, mentioned it's on the ticket. It's where we're going. Um, and, uh, and Harry is a little bit confused about how to get there. And, and like we said, he's saved by the Weasleys. Yeah, he's saved by the Weasleys. Um, he gets to this magical place within King's Cross Station. Um, and it's here that we see, by extension, one of the most important things in this world-building idea um, is Hogwarts Express. You know, you can't really talk yeah. about Hogwarts Express without talking about Platform 9 and 3 quarters. The two go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah. And and it really does make make us wonder, because we, we don't know too much about the Wizarding World at this point, um, and... For those of you who you know have read the books all the way through before, um, it's it's one of those things that is is a bit of an odd combination of Muggle technology and wizarding magic. This whole idea yeah. of a train station, a locomotive, um, as the key transportation to Hog- Hogwarts. Yeah, and and one of the things that's interesting is that it's an old steam train, correct? Yes, like like it's it's As, not to yeah according to um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter this article written by J.K. Rowling herself um, uh, wizards used to travel to Hogwarts primarily through um, airborne transportation mm. um, they they would you know they would fly uh, they would uh, apparate some of them um, apparating with disastrous effects um, <laughs> taking carriages um, and and also. Um, for a, a time with port keys being a key mm. of transportation. Um, however, because of the statute of secrecy and um, the the different impositions put in place um, in 1692, so quite a while ago, wow. um, it became key to get a unified way of bringing people to uh, Hogwarts. So around that time period, there was a steam engine that was stolen um, by the um, Minister for Magic, whose name was Audeline Gamble. Uh, <laughs> and, 
and they they took the the steam engine they placed a concealment charm over it um and and the next morning muggle workers uh, awoke with a missing steam with, engine. A, with a, a missing train a giant <laughs> train and it's and it's yeah. missing and I, I love that but uh the fact that it's a steam train just because we know that technology goes a bit haywire around all this magic right and um yeah. the fact that they use this old kind of technology let's call it like this old tech slash kind of mechanical uh they're able to do that it's more it's more kind of machine and cogs and wheels and parts than it is like wires and and uh and tech yeah, that's, that's uh, and right more it, modern it, it does, it does seem that um, where magic really starts to send things um, into into a bad light is is when it gets into, I guess, a bit more like information technology. Um, yes. You know, when when you see magic interacting with a car, the results seem pretty great. Uh, magic yeah. interacting with a train works perfectly. Um, yeah. But it, it just seems like the idea of of sending messages, sending information, um, sending, um, you know, all all of this through um through the cloud through the air through wires that is where things really start to get lost yeah in the in the the shuffle yeah now uh josh if i uh were to give you a little question what i want you to do is i've got three uh three vehicles here three mode of uh transport and i want you to rank them in order of one to three on what you uh would want to have a ride in first so one being uh you would want to ride it the most and three being the least okay so you've got hogwarts express the train you've got sirius's motorbike and you've got the weasley's flying car oh ford anglia okay question um if if i ride the hogwarts express am i going to hogwarts (laughs) no no we're we're stripping away we're stripping away the destination and it is just the uh, vehicle it is itself it's the you know just the motor transport do the snacks come with is the witch with the trolley cart on it i can't i she's gotta be that's part of the experience it's almost like she's part of the train, but then that's yeah. kind of part of the heading to Hogwarts experience. So <laughs> I, I feel like it's just the, it's just the transport. It's just the ride. What would you, where would you want to be sitting, you know, in the, in the seat of a car in the seat of a motorbike or the right. seat of a train? Okay. Number one, Hogwarts express, even, yeah. even with the restrictions, I think it's gotta be number one for me. Okay. Um, it's just so, so fascinating. So cool. By far the most comfortable, um, yes, can't, yeah. can't argue with that. Um, number two, series is motorbike. Not a huge motorbike um, guy myself, but certainly some of the coolest, um, objectively coolest uh, technology. Yes, in, that's cool. Mad, magical enhancements and things like that. Yeah, in in the Wizarding World, just awesome. And it's so serious, black. It just encapsulates <laughs> perfectly. Um, okay. And then number three. It's got to be the Ford Anglia. As cool as that would be, I see it um, backfiring and and not functioning far too often to be <laughs> anywhere higher on my list than number three. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a that's a good point. I didn't think about that, but I, I was uh, if if I were to, to answer that, I'd um, I. I'm going to put the Weasley flying car number one. Number one? Wow. I just think that it would be so fun. Now, I didn't think about how many times it's kind of given out and putted out and, you know, that sort of (laughs) thing. Um, So I probably, you know, could change my answer then, but I'm going to stick with what I originally was thinking, and that would be the flying car. I just think that would be really fascinating of a Mm -hmm. thing because it's such a very regular person, muggle kind of, uh, yeah, vehicle. And uh, But I'd go Hogwarts Express at a very close second and then uh, Sirius's motorbike just because I didn't whilst it's cool I don't really care yeah too much for, for motorbikes but I just thought I would uh, kind of go on a little bit of a, uh, a rabbit trail there and just ask you ask you that I love it um, it's such a great and fascinating um, world of of transportation that we're introduced to already yeah it's just so many things that will get added to it as the books go on but um, such a key important thing the, the the train station the platform and and the Hogwarts Express so in, in addition to this uh, world of transportation and the arrival and journey to Hogwarts being mentioned, uh, we see also the two school houses um, brought to light, which we haven't yet found out about. Um, we see Gryffindor and Ravenclaw mentioned. Of course, Hufflepuff and Slytherin are mentioned. 
in Harry's conversation with Draco um, and, and J.K. Rowling now um, finishes the picture of the four houses at Hogwarts um, and really in that conversation with Ron, who is uh, so focused and so anxious about whether or not he's going to be in Gryffindor. Do we see that? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of responsibility is the uh, yeah, is, is a yeah. whole house full of uh, Gryffindors that if you put somewhere else, and we know that um, you know we've we've got a house full of Slytherins uh, in the Black family, uh, and then Sirius Black uh, is the is the Gryffindor, and he's kind of this like outcast, um, and so you know uh, Ron doesn't want to be an outcast here, and he he's a you know any child I feel like would be uh, the youngest you know or youngest child at Hogwarts or going to Hogwarts uh, would be pretty kind of pressured to be like i hope i'm in the right house yeah yeah and i think i think too that but as we as we come to know more about the sorting hat um is that the sorting hat would never put someone um in a house apart from their family unless that was the person's desire yeah yeah you know the reason ron goes to gryffindor so quickly is that's what he wants so badly um, yeah. and Sirius wanted nothing to do with his family yeah yeah. yeah, so we've got the, the houses all there. And I think uh, yeah. when we come to, I think we are, when we come to the sorting hat chapter, the next chapter, I think we're going to, uh, we're going to have a little discussion about uh, where, where we belong in our houses yeah. and things like that, uh, which yeah. is going to be, which is going to be good. But uh, one thing you mentioned when we were talking about the Hogwarts Express and whether the candy trolley yes. uh, comes with the train, uh, which if it did, uh, I would definitely pick uh, Hogwarts Express first and foremost uh, all the time. We get so many fun magical candy treats uh here it's just oh it's it's so good i mean birdie bots every flavor beans you know drupal's best blowing gum and then chocolate frogs oh chocolate frogs pumpkin pasties just so uh, cauldron cakes licorice wands so many different kinds of uh these uh, snacks on the trolley um, but but chocolate frogs also play a bit more of an important mm. role um, is in that they they give us some sketches of of wizarding history um, you know very quickly uh, without much detail put in um, we, we have these names from the past that um, Ron is able to rattle off as part of his chocolate yes. frog yeah. collection yeah yeah so many famous witches and wizards um, and obviously the, the the big ones among them uh, that we are very familiar with uh, just in, in our sort of general knowledge of, of folklore and fairy tales and things like that yeah. um, Morgana and Merlin um, and so those are just very mentioned you know it's just so briefly um, but we get a picture that hey these are actually you know magical people that JK is putting into the wizarding world and we don't you know we don't really hear much about any of these characters um, we I mean we we've talked about it Mer uh, Merlin's soggy beard or saggy beard or whatever and it's like it uses an exclamation or uh, but apart from that we don't get these names again yeah, well, and, and what she's done, too, is in addition to these uh, witches and wizards who fill uh, the folklore and legends of all different cultures uh, from ancient Anglo-Saxon culture to ancient Greek mythology, uh, we see there Circe is mentioned. Um, we also see real historical characters um, who muggles would have known of, but would not have known that they were magical. Uh, we see <laughs> Ptolemy, the famous Egyptian mathematician, as well as Nicholas Flamel, the rumored alchemist and French scribe from the 14th century. So we have this very interesting connection between the muggle world and the wizarding world. And it's almost as if J.K. Rowling has uh, brought in these interesting historical figures and said, if we understand the world to be uh, magical in the way that I am creating it, these people would have been wizards they're too cool not to <laughs> <Yeah>. have been <laughs> they're too cool these, these people are cool yeah, yeah. You, you almost wonder if, if people like galileo like leonardo da vinci if they would have also been you know, josh they were the celebrities of the wizarding yeah. world you know yeah. you know surely there would have been some connection there as well and of course um, nicholas flamel is brought to us in this chapter through dumbledore's chocolate frog card he does love being on that chocolate frog card. You know, don't don't take him off that that card because don't take that, him off that card. <laughs> that's pretty much all he wants. You know, you can take away all his titles, but don't take him off the chocolate frog card. Yeah, this this very famous inscription is given about uh, Dumbledore, and he's really known for these three main things. First, 
He's known for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald. Second, for his discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood. And third, his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Yeah. And this is, again, that that little subtle foreshadowing. Um, if you don't know what alchemy is, and if you don't know what the Philosopher's Stone is, um, this this remains somewhat in the dark. Um, but but if you've known these things, if you've studied them in um, in history and in, in folklore, you're already starting to put some of these pieces together and think, hang on a second, this is going to be important. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's not as though one is necessarily better from the other. You just read the book from a different perspective. If, if you recognize the connection and know that the Philosopher's Stone is used in alchemy, then you're reading the whole book waiting for the reveal. Um, and if you don't know what's going on, then you read the whole book in absolute su- uh, surprise and suspense as it goes forward. Forward, you know yeah so we've mentioned blake a lot this chapter already of uh, the foreshadowing that that takes place um but just wanting to highlight one more literary device here um and that's where ron um, falls into the succession behind hagrid of of expository characters characters who are able to explain to harry and by extension the reader um, all about the magical world um, and ron will do this pretty much for the rest of of his time at yeah. at Hogwarts and in the books is that when when something isn't found in a book or where Hermione doesn't know the answer, <laughs> um, often it's some kind of instinct that Ron has that the other two don't. Yes, um, yeah, very rarely uh, is yeah. there something that Hermione Granger does not know, uh, mm-hmm. but but when she doesn't, usually it Ron's there to kind of be like, oh, this is something just ingrained yeah. since childhood. Yeah. You know, like like the tales of Beetle the Bard. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, things like that. Bibbidi babbidi rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> bibbidi babbidi bibbidi babbidi booty. Say that 12 times over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Ron Ron's great with this. And and um, and I think JK uses Ron really, really well in this chapter because uh, Harry shares a compartment with essentially this knowledge source um, and, yeah. and then ends up rooming uh, with Ron. And so just Harry has this kind of knowledge at his disposal, which is which is really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, as as we come to know more about Ron too, we also find out that it's in this chapter that Ron's two biggest insecurities are 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 seen. Um, first, his insecurity about not having enough money. Um, yeah, definitely something that plagues Ron throughout the rest of his life. Um, and then be, alongside that. Um, and they really are tied together as as somewhat of a, an inferiority um, complex or inferiority um, uh, uh, b- belief uh, is that Ron is so scared and so intimidated that he is going to be the least of his family, um, the one to to let others down. He's aware yeah. of how great his brothers are, and he's afraid that he's not going to be able to um, pull his end of the of the bargain. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's hard when when you're you know uh, you're in a big family like that. And I, I was just thinking, Josh, that as Ron is is you know the second youngest, um, and he's got so many older siblings, and and you know we see Bill and Charlie they've left school, and he's almost seeing all the wonderful things that they've done, and uh, and he just says, I can't compare to that. You know, I what am I going to do that's different? Um, and he sees that all the years of life that they've had and what they're doing now and is going like you know look at me now i'm just you know i'm not good enough and i just think there's a lot of development that happens with ron and eventually you know you know this part here and 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 why i was kind of thinking this of of a bit of foreshadowing is that you know ron doesn't think he's going to make much of himself and eventually he plays uh you know one of the biggest roles in in the wizarding world and that's uh you know voldemort's downfall and he supports harry and and uh, him Hermione, you know, Hermione and Ron support Harry in this m- amazing journey. Um, and, you know, Ron has kind of cemented his name in this wonderful, you know, history, um, the history book. You know, surely he his name will go down in, in yeah. history as well. And, uh, and that is something incredible. You know, he's not the best at school, um, mm-hmm. nor was Harry, but uh, he uh, he's made history. And I think that eventually comes uh, – 
full circle from feeling you know yeah uh, or, or yeah full circle yeah full circle around from from thinking uh, he's not the best and all his brothers have been better than him to being like no i i pretty much help save the world yeah i, th- I think his 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 bio in uh, on on his chocolate far- frog the card the first line reads destroyed one eighth of voldemort's soul <laughs> You know, and, and help destroy uh yeah five otherwise you know exactly um, and was was friends with one yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think i think before even he's listed as companion to harry potter he's mentioned for probably what he's done himself you know um mm. he's he a huge role and and he yeah. he's able to um you know to to shine in a way that like you it, said his other and, and because you're, you're you're talking about what would be on Ron's uh, card, I also think um, because Hermione is so amazing and so talented, I think she's going to be very well known. You know, next to Harry, oh, like Harry's I, obviously I think, very well known. I think on his card, it's going to be like husband of uh, Hermione yeah, Granger, yeah. of, of well beloved Ministry <laughs> of Magic, uh, Minister for Magic, Hermione Granger. That's totally number one. How did I not think of that? Yeah. Yes, Ron's, Ron's yeah. card's pretty much going to be uh, saying how amazing Hermione Granger is yeah, exactly. uh, so I just I love that it's, yeah, it's, so it's all Hermione Weasley I should I should yeah, say yeah. but uh, yeah it's just a, it's quite a uh, quite a good way of looking at it <laughs> well you know for all the reasons we've mentioned this chapter is definitely a significant one Ron uh, and Harry meet Harry gets to meet mm. his family um, and we get to learn a lot about the wizarding world including something about its history um, and and moving forward we're going to be able to go as the reader um, to Ron with our magical question because he has proved himself to be somewhat, and I say somewhat very intentionally, of an authority on the magical world. <laughs> yes, I, I like how you put that. Yes, somewhat, like it's it's he does, his knowledge isn't amazing uh, or you know all encompassing. Maybe like uh, like Hermione's, but uh, he he knows so, uh, still quite a lot to I guess for Harry to just still ask questions to be around them to easily be able to get all the information from Ron. As we were talking about this beginning of a friendship um it just reminds me of our friendship and you know how when i was a little harry potter coming to new zealand and knew nothing about this place you were able to be my ron and tell me about uh, this country that i've come to call home it really is a, a magical place you know this is amazing i have never thought about this uh, <laughs> and uh, i uh, i'm really liking it i think that i have this wonderful image of uh, you know you uh, and me and uh, i mean i don't know who's our hermione um you know maybe chris uh, no <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a it's a yeah it's a wonderful thing that uh you know i was able to to share my country with you uh yeah. this wonderful magical world of new zealand uh with this strange outsider from canada but no i'm glad uh, i'm glad we're here and uh, something that i don't think uh harry and ron did and that is uh start a podcast and uh, and that's what we're doing so clearly we come out on on top, on top. Uh, but yeah <laughs> uh well thanks for listening uh, we would love to hear your feedback so head over to itunes or wherever you get your podcast from and leave a review your reviews help keep the magic alive to continue the adventure join us next time as we discuss the seventh chapter of harry potter and the philosopher's stone the sorting hat